0: You're listening to Business in Bloom, a podcast for creatives and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and creative business coach, Anna Levy, and we'll explore topics on self-belief, creativity, and what it means to run a business on your own terms. Hello, and welcome back to episode 90. This week's guest is Christina Gollian, who is a writer and coach, and the founder of The Spark Crew, which is an online membership for creatives. We covered a lot of ground with Christina in this interview, exploring her journey, career journey up until now, her decision to retrain, and why intentionally making time for creativity is important. And we also discussed the state of flow, and Christina talked us through what that is exactly, and how you can reap its benefits. Let's jump straight in. Hi, Christina, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Hey,
1: thanks for having me on. Um, I am, well actually, I'm in a bit of a period of transition at the moment, so this question always, (laughs) it's a tricky one to answer sometimes. Um, I've been the wearer of many hats as a self-employed creative over the years, And I went back to university in September 2021. So I'm having a career change. And I'm now a creative coach and a positive psychology
0: practitioner. Wow. So that sounds really exciting. It's something that we've talked about many a times. And actually, we met on a coaching course probably three years ago now. Yeah, that's right. It was right during the pandemic, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And it was actually... The perfect time for being on a course where we <clears throat> one of the requirements was to have coaching pods so there was three of us all together who would we would meet almost weekly I think didn't we um, and it yeah. was great to kind of have that chance to practice our coaching skills but also have that human to human kind of connection uh, over that time when we weren't perhaps seeing that many people.
1: Yeah, it was for me, certainly, it was such a positive experience actually being part of that course. And because it was all um, self-belief coaching that we were learning about, and first of all, applying it to ourselves before taking it out into the world, it was just such a, a wonderful, rich experience to have, I certainly found. And really... It was like the stepping stone for me that gave me the confidence then to go and apply to university and to apply for a science degree, which is something that I have zero background in whatsoever. So to apply at master's level was quite scary. But doing that first was a really great foundation for that, actually.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine. But I'd love to hear about your kind of career journey up until now, because if my memory serves me well, you started out in journalism is that right? It is right yeah and I even I went into that in a
1: bit of a sideways fashion I suppose or a squiggly fashion which seems to be the story of my life um, and I think it's just occurred to me right now <laughs> that what I tend to do is get really passionate about something and just go all in for that thing so that the first thing that happened with really career-wise was theatre and drama um, so, at university I was studying drama and theatre arts. Before that, I'd done a year of of kind of more practical um, acting and theatre arts. And towards the end, I specialised in arts journalism, and that's what took me into journalism um, after I graduated. So basically, we had um, it was an amazing course I was on in Edinburgh. Actually, there was you know it's one of those ones where eight hundred people applied, about forty people get in. So it was just amazing to even be on it um but we had this it was quite it was quite eccentric our um lecturer for the arts journalism he was a working editor he was a theater critic and he held quite a lot of our classes in the pub um which i don't think would be allowed anymore at all and it was mainly so he could have a pint and a smoke while he was teaching us um and we would go out and do arts reviews do theater reviews did a lot of food reviewing cinema reviewing uh, that kind of thing but what you said to us as we were getting ready to graduate was there were we were really training as theatre critics and he said there's four full-time theatre critics in Scotland I'm one of them the other three are my friends none of us are planning to retire anytime soon so if I was you, I'd get a job in a restaurant or something and try to freelance and it just wasn't the most inspiring thing when you were graduating you know with student debt and things (laughs) and it was just kind of that point where I was like you know I need I actually need I need a job that's a full-time job I need to earn money and a job came up back in my hometown on the local newspaper as a news reporter and I applied for that and that's where really it, it began my journalism career from there I guess.
0: Yeah that's um, yeah, certainly not the most inspiring words to hear from someone <laughs> when <laughs> you're literally just about to enter the world of, of work um, but so you you did the kind of journalism at a local newspaper. And I know that you later also ran a magazine uh, yourself. So maybe tell us a little bit about kind of all the little paths that you took throughout your career.
1: Yeah, so I was on the local newspaper for two years. And it was one of it was like this amazing kind of almost apprenticeship, I suppose it felt like. And I learned most of it on the job um and really you did everything you know a bit of everything so like sometimes even when the sports editor was on holiday i'd have to cover football which was you know interesting to the least because i do not know much about it whatsoever um but you would do a bit of everything I'd have to do court reporting actually as well, which was not a favorite, um, and and was really odd because I'd see some of my old schoolmates in court, but they'd be on the other side from me, so that was super awkward. Um, and after two years, I was just kind of like, okay, I've <laughs> I've I've done my time here, and I think I've it's kind of challenged me as much as it's going to, and I'm ready to move on. And I went traveling for a year, and when I came back again, I was just in this position of I need a job. Um, I've, I've got, you know, sort of traveling bills to pay now and I need to be earning some decent money or no, de- it wasn't decent money in journalism in those days. And it probably still isn't, to be honest. It was more I need to be earning some money. And a job came up for a senior journalist on a business uh, magazine. It was quite random, but I just applied for it and got it. And the, for the next few years, I was there um, and I was kind of worked my way up to be, I think I was an editor when I was about 25 or 26. So it was probably one of the youngest editors that the company had ever had, um, which came with just a massive amount of stress and responsibility, to be honest. And it was in the time when, and it still is, you know, media is a very difficult industry, a very challenging industry to be in. Uh, a lot of redundancies were happening. So we were just losing staff really every week. And I was just getting more and more work piled on me, basically. And at that point, my husband was setting up as a a self-employed photographer and I was just loving helping him. Um, So we began to do wedding photography together. So I'd be doing that on my weekends and my days off and things and left journalism to go full-time self-employed with um, zero savings or plan really I have to say it was more of an impulsive quit one day when I just couldn't tolerate the situation any longer Uh, so not necessarily advisable to do it that way but you know sometimes that's just what we have to do for our own well-being Um, and a few years after we were photographing weddings we decided with friends of ours who were also wedding photographers to set up it was a blog to begin with because Scotland didn't have one it didn't have its own wedding blog so we did that and then over the years um, I was quite keen to launch a magazine having worked on those magazines for so many years Um, and that's what we did or that's what I did because by that point I'd taken the business over really myself Um, they were all busy with other things
0: in their own businesses so quite a quite a kind of like you said, I think squiggly journey mm. to, to finding all those different things that perhaps were, you know, interested, interesting you and yeah, exploring the different kind of creative avenues. And I think that's what I kind of love hearing about your journey is that, that there's just so many different things that you've kind of thrown yourself into. Um, and yeah, just explored because they, they're exciting.
1: Yeah I think there's definitely there were a lot of leaps along the way. <laughs> yeah absolutely and and I think often it was because um, it was creative collaboration too I guess because when we when we came together the four of us to start that blog everyone had different kind of skills and experience. Um, so my husband had a background in graphic design. Um, one of the other um, founders of it he was really amazing at marketing and just like total extrovert love going out speaking to people doing all the marketing and we just kind of it worked really well together to all have kind of our strengths um and everyone kind of applying their strengths to it uh, it was obviously hugely challenging as well and definitely a case of too many cooks sometimes but um, <laughs> it was uh, a really interesting and uh, rich learning journey i think
0: yeah and how did it come about kind of you taking over the business just by yourself what what was that process like and I'm assuming from what you said it perhaps wasn't a kind of a smooth journey to kind of one day deciding that that was what was going to happen did it kind yeah. of just kind of happen over time it was kind of yeah there'd been life changes and things we were
1: all at different stages with um our families and things um, we started the business when I was pregnant actually so uh, we had a, a brand new baby what really when we were launching um, whereas our friends their kids were a bit older they were at a different stage in life they um, they took on a, a lovely building in Edinburgh as a photography studio not long after that so really it began to take up a lot of their time and energy and that was really where their passion lay so Um, It just kind of evolved and it made sense and everyone basically was hinting to me, do you want to take this forward because you'd be amazing at that. (laughs) And I was like, well, you know what, I kind of do actually. Um, And what was really fun then, it was, I think, again, it was probably a brilliant stepping stone in that when we did it all together, it was hugely helpful to have everyone's input and everyone's shared effort on huge projects. Like we did some massive, mad in hindsight things, like we gave away a wedding uh, worth like 30 grand or something you know and we did these huge huge ambitious things that um, if I tried to do that myself I would have uh, you know it was stressful enough doing it actually altogether but when it got to be just me what was really freeing was then it was just mine and I could do whatever I wanted and I didn't have to check first of all you know is it okay with you if I do this because we all had kind of different tastes a different style um, so it was just it's quite liberating actually to be able to just forge ahead um, and, and do my thing from there.
0: Yeah. And so you were running your photography business with your husband alongside all of this. And I know from obviously, you know, I've known you for the past maybe three years. So I know that you made a decision to stop taking on weddings um, and, and photographing weddings. When did you make that decision? And what was that process like? Because, again that was would have been a you know huge part of your life for for many years and that you know letting go of something like that can be really difficult so what was that process like for you yeah it's it's kind of hard to
1: pinpoint exactly when the decision was made because i think it probably felt like quite a gradual thing Um, And as you say, it was it was a huge part of our lives. We did it for 15 years, you know, and it was incredible. My husband's Canadian and we met in Canada. And when he moved over here, basically to be with me, it allowed us to, um, you know, very quickly, we were getting bookings in the highlands of Scotland. Um, you know, even down, down in Devon, we've been for weddings. We were, we've were we been asked to go overseas and do them, but actually just, we usually had a diary clash and couldn't. But it was taking us all across the country. We were going to see these amazing places, you know, that we would probably never have got to otherwise and going into buildings that we might never have had access to. And it was really, for me, it was the people was what I loved most. Um, we did a lot in Scotland, we got a lot of destination weddings so a lot of people will come here to get married so we got to be like really immersed in these cultural experiences um, doing Persian weddings and Chinese weddings and Asian weddings and it was just so incredible that for that day people really just took you in and welcomed you in as almost one of the family um, although a very hard-working member of the family (laughs) because you know all too well what a wedding day is like to cover But it was just like the most wonderful, rich experience. And it was also exhausting and really time consuming. Um, We spent, you know, most of those years missing out on our own friends' weddings and things, because often we'd be booked so far in advance that we couldn't um, go to them. So there was also that side of things too. And when our daughter came along, it just didn't really fit with family life for us so well anymore, um, given that we don't really have family living nearby. My mum was amazing and she she would always um, look after Mila while we were out working and things. But she even lives, you know, a couple of hours away. So it just all became um, really quite impractical to to juggle. And it just really got to the point where it felt like something has to give. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't quite sparking the joy that it used to. And I think also just with the, the amount of time we'd been doing it as well, you know, again, what happened, which seems to have been what always has happened looking back, is that, I developed this passion for something else, you know, and it really was when the, um, the positive psychology began to to really take my interest, as well as the, the magazine and the writing. Those were the things that then I got drawn and drawn more to. Um, and you maybe have found this as well, Anna, but certainly when I was a journalist, I didn't write much when I wasn't at work because I spent most of my day writing. And then when I went home, I just didn't really feel like doing it. And on the weekends, I didn't feel like doing it. But when I then moved over into photography. I started writing more again <laughs> and mm. I'm moving away from photography. I'm getting really excited about photography again and it not being so much a work thing, but it being a creative outlet. And again, when you're photographing a wedding, as you'll know, you obviously you get to be creative, but also there's so many time constraints on the day and there's a really strict schedule that you have to stick to because, you know, nobody wants dinner to go cold and so on. Um, so just being able to think now about photography as something I can play with again and have fun with um, is quite exciting.
0: Yeah, no, I can totally hear you on that. I think I started to explore film photography for that very reason because it's um although it's you know still photography it feels like a different medium because of the the way that you have to approach things in a really slow way it's it's yeah it slows everything down and so I think it's a lot more intentional than digital photography for me and so actually doing that and exploring film as a beginner actually because I'd never really used film before it's sparked that joy for me again so like you said you know when when you are immersed in something that used to be a hobby that's become your job it it can become just a job right you can, you can lose that spark so yeah I totally hear you on, on kind of finding <laughs> finding other things to kind of um yeah bring back that that creativity I guess as well
1: yeah. And the other thing, when it's your job and it's a very important day, there isn't really room for error there. You can't really be making mistakes, um, which, and you know, you'll be finding as you experiment with film photography, it's hard not to make mistakes. Or I certainly <laughs> found that whenever I experimented with it. So there is a real freedom in, in allowing yourself to have that beginner mindset and just be playing with something. And it's OK if it doesn't work out. You know, it doesn't have to be a perfect photograph. It doesn't have to be an article that's filed. Sometimes I was like going to an event and filing the article at, you know, midnight or one in the morning. And, you know, obviously it's not allowed to have mistakes in it (laughs) in theory anyway, although there's often this (laughs) in there.
0: So I wonder obviously we've kind of talked about exploring those different kind of sparks of creativity and things that have kind of just taken your interest and and you've just explored those and followed that thread of curiosity and so you you talk about positive psychology and and that being one of those things that kind of again sparked that interest and you started to kind of dive deeper into it obviously we did the coaching course on self-belief together and that was kind of like you said earlier a stepping stone into that whole kind of world and Giving yourself permission to then explore, you know, potentially doing a master's, and and now you are kind of halfway through. I think, if I'm uh, right in saying, yeah, I'm, at, I'm almost two thirds of the way
1: through. Which wow. is it's so funny because when you look at these things in the beginning, um I don't know if anyone else is, would relate to this, but I because this course, if you did it full time, you could do it in a year. Um, I opted to do it part time. (laughs) So that's two years, although you can have some breaks along the way, because most people are working or have caring responsibilities or other things going on and need that. But I remember thinking, oh, it's a long time, you know, <laughs> and now that I'm doing it, I'm like, that's not long enough. I could do I could just keep doing this and be so happy. Um, there's some the more you learn, the more you realize how much there is to learn. And it's nice to have time to integrate your learning as well along the way. And I think it has made me sort of see, like, what's the rush? You know, <laughs> we, we sometimes we're so desperate, aren't we, to tick off the next thing or get that qualification because then it allows us to do this thing. Um, that actually I'm really realizing that for me at least it's so much about the journey that's where that's where the learning is and some of it is some of it's about the things that are really hard or like the failures along the way (laughs) is actually proving to be where where the richest
0: kind of learning lies. Mm, I think I needed to hear that actually about not rushing about not um, just thinking about the destination because that is often the things that we look at, isn't it? That, you know, when I complete this, I'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. And I think actually we miss out a big chunk of, like you say, that kind of rich learning, the The process of actually immersing yourself in, in well, in studying at the moment. And I know that you're really enjoying kind of exploring all the different aspects of positive psychology and the different kind of avenues that that can lead you down so yeah it's definitely something that I needed to hear as well.
1: (laughs) I'm glad that resonated for you yeah it's like there's just so many paths aren't there and um, I think when you're you're doing these things you know there's there's this path and you could go down it and explore that route but there's also this path over here and this one here Mm -hmm. Um, you know and I, I think it's just it's funny because it's yes it's called a masters but you're you're not going to graduate this and be a master of it i mean that's just a lifelong <laughs> journey isn't it will will any of us ever feel like a master of anything uh, i'm not sure but the i don't know for me the joy is definitely in the the learning and the exploring and just letting my curiosity lead me
0: along the way yeah no i really love that approach and that kind of leads me on to the topic of flow because I know that Mm. that's something that you talk about relatively frequently I think and through the kind of the lens of positive psychology I suppose how can we what I mean what is flow to maybe start with and and how can we access that state um easily
1: yeah so it's an interesting one and I think even if you've not heard the concept before hopefully when I describe what it is you maybe can remember a time that you've experienced it in life so flow it's actually it's been um it kind of is one of those things that covers lots of disciplines that's been written about in history and over time by different people in psychology um there's a, a chap who gets called the Godfather of flow mihai chick sent um he basically explored um, after the war he was really interested in exploring uh when people are at their most creative and feeling kind of their best selves you know that kind of in terms of well-being what is what's going on what are they doing what's happening there so he, he studied lots of artists and musicians and different creatives and he then went on to describe this flow state so it's basically when you are doing something when you're so engaged in what you're doing that you kind of time takes on a different form you might kind of lose all sense of time um, you're doing something that's quite challenging usually but crucially not too challenging um you're trying to achieve something Um, so it could be for example a time that i remember experiencing flow and this is probably one of the um just the the strongest memories of it i have was when i just i tried scuba diving um, when I was traveling, and it's funny actually because I I really did not know how I was going to get on with it. Before I went traveling, I'd been having quite a lot of anxiety, and I'd had kind of panic attacks quite a lot on and off over the years. And growing up in the nineteen eighties, unfortunately, I had watched all the Jaws movies, so being in the ocean was one of the things I did not feel too uh, calm and con- content about, you know, not knowing what was under me. But I thought I'm going to give this a try and see, and I absolutely loved it it just I think because you had to concentrate on what you're doing with your breathing apparatus and things you know there was that level of challenge there and there was all this awe and wonder because you were going under the ocean and seeing what lived under there and it was the most amazing like coral reefs and like incredible fish and just it was wonderful and when um, the instructor said it was time to go back up I remember thinking but it's only been like five ten minutes and we went up and it had been um, an hour or whatever we had air in our tanks and I could not believe but I just felt in this like kind of rush of like amazing positive emotions and it just really stuck with me um, and now knowing about this I know that at that point that was me experiencing flow. Athletes talk about it quite a lot and musicians too and, and um, they'll say when they're, it's you know some people say it's They're in the zone, um, they call it, and it's almost like that everything else kind of drops away, and your self-critical voice stops and I think this is one of the most crucial parts for for us creatives is that when you're in that state that little voice saying oh this is terrible what you do?" it stops it's silenced and it's almost like you have this intuitive sense um, of what to do sometimes um, I've heard conductors talk about their hand just seems to move by itself or um, p- athletes will just say that they just knew um, a basketball player said for they just knew it, where to go and it was almost like it just if you know you hear people say a lot it flowed out on on the the court so it's just it's quite an incredible powerful thing and it can also be in the simple things it can be in when you're playing video games you know you can get into that flow state as well it can be when you're writing it can be work and a lot of people that's the main place that they'll experience it is at work but a kind of crucial thing on the flip side of that is that also a lot of people are no longer able to experience it so much at work because in order to be in that state, you need to not have distractions. And if your phone is beeping at you, or if your boss is calling you and saying, can you just come through for a quick chat, which is what I used to get quite a lot, it's really difficult then to, to stay in that state of creativity and you're kind of pulled out of it almost. So so that's one of the things that makes it quite tricky to experience in modern life.
0: That's a, such a good point, actually. The You know, the phone beeping or... Any other distractions, maybe a parcel at the door. There's always, if you work from home, yeah, That there are so many distractions that we are kind of exposed to. And it's something that we talked about just before we kind of hit record in terms of that overwhelm of information as well. So how can we help ourselves to to experience that state?
1: The advice is to give yourself, um, you know, try and set aside kind of an hour or two to do the thing that you want to do turn off all notifications you know and be as mindful about that as you can set yourself kind of a you could call it a goal you could call it an intention um, so that may be I want to write the first draft of a poem or I want to write my newsletter or I want to learn how to roller skate backwards that was me <laughs> the other week and um, so have this kind of aim for the time And then um, I've been experimenting, actually, certainly in the creative things with using creative prompts. And I am finding that they allow me to drop into that sense of flow really, really quickly. So that's something that I am planning to do more research on, actually, as I go into the research phase of the degree. Um, But yes, it's just finding for some people it's having a little ritual can help. So maybe that's that you light a candle, um, you know, as you sit down. Or maybe it's that you get the special notebook out that you only use for writing this kind of thing so there's different ways we can do it and an interesting one in the workplace or if you're working from home is that um, you just find you can be so much more productive when you are in flow so this interests me because it's not that I'm interested in you know spending eight hours working and getting more done I'm interested in how I can get that eight hours of work done in a much shorter time so then I can go out and do all the other things that I enjoy doing or, or go and read and chill out or whatever so most people are not managing to experience it while working because of the distractions but if they could they could probably get their work done in a far shorter amount of time um and have kind of more quality of life around that so it's something that um anyone with an open plan office might want to think about putting Mm -hmm. in some noise cancelling headphones perhaps
0: yeah yeah that's such a good tip and i think about the ability to just open a tab and type something into google and bring it up and actually how distracting that can be because it's so easy to procrastinate in that way or you you know have a thought about something and and my instant reaction is to go and look it up and actually that just breaks up that flow that breaks up that kind of process so yeah having a think about how you can maybe minimize those distractions might might be helpful
1: Yeah, and it's sometimes being quite self-disciplined that maybe you'll say to yourself, I'm going to let myself look up those things after the hour. I'll make a little note now. Um, And it's one of the things I, I began going to the London Writers' Salon Writers' Hours during lockdown. And what I loved about those was it was, um, I think they quoted Neil Gaiman a few times and it was something like, you can sit there and do nothing and not write, that's okay, but you're not allowed to look at your, you know, he obviously said it much more eloquently than I am now, but it was like, you can't look at your phone, you can't do all these things, you know, and it it just kind of, I think, just that accountability, you know, that for this one hour, we're all going to sit here together and write, hopefully, Um, you know, if the words don't come, they don't come, but we're going to give it a good go. I think that can be really helpful too um so there's other online spaces i use when i want to do deep work and we'll all set our intention and then we'll do an hour or two of deep work and then we we meet again at the end to see how we got on and i know we're going to speak about it later but in the spark crew which is my own creative community now that I've founded we've got some sessions that that we do that too with creative things because for some people they really do need other people there to to help hold them accountable you know we all work mm-hmm. differently
0: yeah, no, I can totally relate to that because I don't think I would normally set time aside to do creative things. And I actually came to one of your creative workshops where we tried to create a kind of a visual poem and it, it was, yeah, it was really great and I really enjoyed it. And I think I, I actually, you know, looking back now, I think I did experience flow in that session because I could have easily have carried on for, for much longer and I really, I, I wasn't, Thinking about anything else and I think that's one of the things that you kind of you know you know you're onto something when you're not thinking about kind of all the other things that you might have to do that day you're just really immersed in that activity so yeah I definitely recommend people check that out.
1: And that's um often it's when we're in that immersed place isn't it that we produce our best work that's what took Mihai found is that when we're when we're at our most creative it's when we're in that state um, and that's when you know sports people for example might suddenly do something that people thought was impossible I'm a snowboarder so I kind of, kind of think of that and I think of some of the tricks that people have done over the years you know and then one once one person does it usually what you find happens is that quite quickly quite a few other people will do it because suddenly the impossible becomes possible Um, so it's quite incredible but it's also just a really lovely place to get to spend some time and I think maybe that was one of the really tricky things during lockdown for many people who were Um, you know especially for folks who weren't used to working from home but were suddenly at home working from home or trying to work from home um, maybe homeschooling kids at the same time is that we weren't able to get those pockets of time or to carve them out to get ourselves into those deep focused states or to experience flow and really have all the well-being um, benefits that it brings and I think that was really really hard for people.
0: Yeah no absolutely I think Yeah, going back to what you said about having that accountability, actually, and having that dedicated space. And again, of course, it will be different for everyone in terms of how you prefer to work. But for me, I know that personally, and we've done some co writing sessions together. And I've done that with some other friends as well, separately, where we've just dedicated an hour to doing that one thing. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's been super helpful for me. But like I say, obviously, depending on how you like to work and how you're motivated as well I guess that yeah. that'll and probably even, come into the equation
1: even on the day I find too you know there's some some weeks that that would work for me and others maybe I just want to be alone and get on with it mm. myself and it's nice to have the options isn't it I find for me I really have to be quite flexible about how and when I work and that's something actually took me so many years to realize, like too many years to realize. I would sit at a desk, you know, for hours, even if I wasn't feeling it, to really just try and make myself get through the admin. And let's face it, if you have your own business, there's always admin to do, isn't there? It's not like you're ever done um, or feel fully caught up. If you do, it just the next bit comes in shortly after but looking back I just think wow if you'd realize sooner <laughs> the the more effective way for you to work is really to think about your energy and not your time what difference that could have made
0: yeah but I guess that's you know in a sense you kind of have to go through and get to know how you work best you won't necessarily always know that right from the start I think it's it's a bit of a trial and error situation where you, you have to kind of work out okay I'll try this, see what, you know, how that feels. If if it doesn't fit, you, you're you then able to kind of explore other ways of working. So, yeah, I think that definitely for me has come through, or at least understanding how I work best has come through experience, essentially.
1: Yeah, and I think back then there wouldn't have been this dialogue around self-employment and, you know, the kind of, you wouldn't have been seeing the way that different people might do things. So I really just came out of this nine to five mentality or more than nine to five, because it was journalism, um, you know, and felt like to be successful and to run a successful business, you just have to work all the hours. Um, and in hindsight, <laughs> I can see now that, you know, that that is really not the best way to approach things. And that actually, that's, that's kind of a quick path to burnout. And I did, I did burn out. it happened, because there's only so long you can put in I don't know, sometimes I think I might have done a 16 hour day or probably quite often pre pre parenthood. (laughs) And yeah, it just is, you, you know, especially when you're a creative, if you're burning yourself out doing kind of admin tasks and things, you know, you're not looking after your creative energy, you're not keeping your creative fires burning, that can be difficult.
0: Yeah, well, that's something that actually we've kind of both written on that topic on our substacks uh, recently, and it just so happened that it kind of coincided. I think there were kind of uh, the articles came out almost within you know a day or two of each other. It is kind of cultivating or giving ourselves that space to, yeah, to to cultivate that kind of creative spark to make time for it. Because like you say, I think when we are immersed in busy work, I think those kind of wells of inspiration, let's say, can get depleted. So actually dedicating some time and space, like you said earlier, you know, maybe about it is just about creative play can be hugely beneficial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And at the moment, I'm loving just kind of drawing inspiration from other fields as well, and just kind of other art forms and just kind of Yeah, just again, following the curiosity and just that beginner's mindset thing of having a go um, at things too. And then I find that just really does fuel everything. It fuels your own work so much and also collaborating with other people. I love in those those sessions you mentioned, Anna, that we've done together um, and some of the other ones we've run too. that. It just takes you in new directions. Um, I've been to writer's workshops where, you know, hearing other people's words and being encouraged to actually steal some of those words, you know, being given permission that it's okay to do that, but then to obviously make them into your own thing. It just takes you to places that you might not otherwise have traveled to. And it's just, yeah, really wonderful to play with.
0: Yeah. So that sense of connection really actually sparking new ideas as well.
1: Absolutely. it can be lonely can't it as well when you're in business if you're in business on your own you know you can spend a lot of time on your own and not connecting and if you do connect it's often with other people doing similar things but I think if anyone's not already doing it I would encourage them to also try to make connections um, in other kind of industries or other areas around your field because really you'll have so much in common from being business owners or self-employed, but also you really will help fuel each other, I would say, inspiration-wise too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I was just talking about to a friend, um, actually, in terms of finding things that bring you energy uh, and and you know, connecting with others can be one of those things. I know that, for example, I work, I really enjoy working from home and, and it's something that I don't think I'd want to change. Having said that, I know that I still need... To go out and connect with others, I need that kind of yeah, like you say, inspiration uh, to kind of drip feed, I guess, throughout the month. And one of the things that I've recently done is gone to a film lab social, and that was great because I was hearing and seeing other people's work, and that was great. It, it was, it you know, always come away feeling kind of inspired and interested in in other people's approach but the other time I went to see a movie on my own and that in itself was also kind of a nice creative break and inspiring in in a different way. So, yeah, I totally agree that I think it's easy to forget that actually we need to kind of replenish that well of inspiration.
1: Yeah, absolutely, especially when it's our busiest times, you know, and that's obviously going to be different for everyone. But it is really easy to let that go because it feels – it can the word that's springing to mind is frivolous and it's not frivolous at all but it can feel like a a non essential you know mm-hmm. like a, a luxury um you know especially um to take perhaps a whole day out by yourself or or a weekend away that's what i'm about to do next you know it can really feel like a a, a kind of it can feel really hard to do that to invest that time and money often in yourself and especially I think there's an added pressure if you're a a mum or a parent you know to be doing that thing and spending that money on yourself during a cost of living crisis but it's so 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 important to do and actually I think the 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 um investing like that in yourself the the well-being kind of boost that it brings it doesn't just benefit you it benefits everyone that comes into contact with you including the people you live with if you do so I think it's so important to do it so worth doing it and you can also do in a smaller way as well if that doesn't feel accessible at the moment like I am about to do like a weekend away staying in a different city I'm staying in uh like a, a nice looking hotel um, I'm going to actually have <laughs> booked myself to do an experience while I'm there as well as um, going to a conference with other business owners but then you could also do a really small one like is there a, a love event right actually for finding random things I did laughter yoga one Saturday afternoon I think it was the host was in New York and it was completely free And it was so much fun. So you can kind of look around and and get ideas. And it's quite fun to plan them, I find, especially after um, the pandemic and lockdown. And here in Scotland, we were locked down for a long time. And I know other places in the world have obviously been even longer. But it was just so exciting to be able to think about doing things again and and that they won't be cancelled or postponed, hopefully, (laughs) Um, which is really nice and feels like a a bit of a, a treat nowadays, I think.
0: Yeah, no, that's such a good tip about Eventbrite and actually just coming across maybe things that you wouldn't have normally considered. So I think, yeah, that's a really good tip. But I wanted to visit your um, or talk about your writing, uh, because I know you've kind of written in one form or another for, for many, many years. And so I wonder if you have any tips or any insight with regards to establishing a writing practice. It's not necessarily even for, you know, writing with an end result of Mm. any kind, just actually just writing practice, whether that's journaling, whether that's just, you know, some form of diary keeping for ourselves or for the purpose of sharing with others. Yeah. What are your insights?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's slightly tricky sometimes for me to advise on this because I am someone who does that naturally. And it's always been my go to as a kid. I just, I always wrote from, you know, just as long as I can remember, something I did. And also growing up in 1980s in rural Scotland, to be honest, there wasn't always much to do. You know, there was no Internet. Telly was, you know, you got an hour or two of kids TV at certain times of the day. So there'd be long periods of being utterly bored, which really helped with (laughs) finding creative things to do. So that's a trickier thing that we have now and that you've got everything else competing with your time. But it maybe helps to know there's a massive amount of science behind why this is really good for us to do. So journaling, for example, that's just hugely helpful, not only to our well-being, but also to our actual physical health. Um, there's loads of empirical evidence to, to show the benefits it brings. So if it helps you give yourself permission to take the time to do it, you could maybe think of that to it can lower stress it can help with anxiety it's just a really great way to check in with yourself too and to kind of be aware of what's going on because I I, I know that. I mean, we can wake up in the morning, and I don't know about you, but I often, you know, I'm thinking about the day ahead. I'm thinking about next week. I'm thinking about what I need to order um, to fill the fridge. You know, so many thoughts going on basically in our minds. I think I've seen a figure before that by this time of day, we've experienced X thousand thoughts of things we have to do, which is quite staggering. Um, So, chances are by the time you even get to lunchtime, you're going to have had thousands of thoughts, and you've probably experienced quite a lot of emotions in that time too we did an experiment at university last week where we had to write down um the emotions we'd experienced that day and it was only noon that we started doing this and most of us had to kind of ten to 20 and when the um workshop leader then began reading out a list of other emotions we were oh yeah that one too and adding to our lists. so if you think that we're having all these thoughts and all these emotions think of journaling as kind of a place that you can dump those you can get them out your brain out your body and down on the page I find it to be kind of like this cleansing system that then allows me to kind of reset and and start I say start the day. Sometimes I do it at nighttime. Um, But the simplest way, if you haven't done this at all before, I would say the simplest way to start is to get yourself a notebook or A4 paper, whatever you want, and just set aside 10 minutes. Turn off notifications on your phone. Um, If you can, just try and give yourself a distraction-free 10 minutes and just start to write. And what you will probably find is either it's tricky at first to write anything or your brain will quite quickly say, oh, this is terrible, this is rubbish. And that's okay, it's allowed to be terrible and rubbish because it's this is not about writing a great piece of work that you're going to share. This is just about getting that stuff out, out of your head and dumped down onto paper. And if you can't think where to begin, just begin with how you feel. You know, I, I feel tired, <laughs> this mm-hmm. and that. And just see where it takes you and try and try not let that critical voice take the reins because really... As I say, this is not about producing quality work, but what you quite often find is that once you start doing this more regularly, it does actually lead to quality writing because once you've got all that stuff out, you may find that you then begin to write and to actually write something that you you could perhaps work with, or at the very least, you feel hopefully a bit better because all that stuff is now down on paper <laughs> and no longer um, being carried with you into the day. So that's one way to do it. There's lots and lots of different ways and I would encourage people to experiment to see what works for them. Uh, There's, I think you've talked for, Anna, haven't you, you wrote about um, Julia Cameron, the artist's way. She has quite a set approach to morning pages. So that's something you can look at. Um, I quite like sometimes to journal and ask myself questions like, how am I feeling right now? What is my intention for today? That kind of thing. So that's another approach you can take. Lots of different ways to do it. What what way do you like doing, Anna?
0: Yeah, it's, it kind of varies depending on, on you know, how I'm feeling and my mood. I I don't journal all the time. I did jot a few things down this morning and actually what I ended up writing was a few things that I want to kind of bring to life this year, which I don't even think I've kind of put that down on paper yet for this year. Not that you have to at all, but I do tend to like to kind of have a, a rough guideline so actually that's kind of what came out today that was kind of unexpected I just started writing and that's kind of what came came out um but I think you what you mentioned about using questions and prompts I think that can be really helpful and there's lots of resources I think online in all honesty uh, with regards to finding prompts that you can just picking out even one question that kind of speaks to you in that moment and just seeing where it takes you I think that's quite um that can be a really useful kind of exercise I think and you never know where you'll end up really
1: yeah I mean I don't do it every day but I definitely do it throughout the week and sometimes if I don't do the kind of prompts the questions after a week or two I kind of catch myself and I think oh I I feel a bit I don't know I just feel quite off and I just don't feel like I'm and then I think wait a minute I've not done my check-in with myself Ah. it's not and it's amazing when you start doing this regularly you notice when you stop Um, that's so interesting
0: (laughs) yeah that's so interesting that you you've noticed a a kind of an actual shift you know and how you feel when you when you don't do it that's yeah I suppose as with any habit I suppose at some point we yeah begin to notice when when it's missing yeah absolutely yeah that's really interesting to hear Okay, Um, I feel like we'll be kind of coming to the end of our conversation. I don't want to kind of keep you too long. So I wonder if there's one tip that you could give your younger self, what would it be?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think if I think back to myself at the start of business and starting out self-employed, I would say it's okay to ask for help and you do not have to do everything yourself would Mm. be my tip and instead I had to learn that the really hard way (laughs) (laughs) over a long long period of time um but yeah there's this feeling sometimes I think as founders and self-employed folks that we have to do it all and you know that only we can do it you know, nobody else will do it as well as we do because it's our business and we're passionate about it and we care the most. But actually I found that's not true. Other people can do things really well for us. And when you start beginning to just let go of things, for me, it was getting a VA, you know, and, and, and which was only um, about three years ago, I took on a VA and discovered that not only could she do quite a lot of things as well as me she did them faster and quite often better to be honest and much more efficiently and then she had her own intuitive ideas that were brilliant too and that just freed me up to spend more time with my family or to you know study or to do the other things I want to do to be creative and that was incredible so that would be my advice.
0: That is very very good advice and I think yeah one one that's hard to um So adopt, I think, initially, well, certainly for me, I I certainly (laughs) relate to the fact that, yeah, it's taken me a long time to kind of realise that, yeah, not everything has to be done by yourself. And um, tell us, where can people find you?
1: So, yeah, I'm on Instagram fairly regularly at Christina Gullion and the website is thesparkcrew.com. You can find me there. You can find me on Substack, but all those links will be on Instagram
0: amazing I'll pop those in the show notes as well so people can uh, find you through there thank you so much for your time today thanks and I've got a big smile on my face you can probably tell
1: that I could just talk about this stuff all day long and be quite happy so it's been really really lovely to, to talk with you about it
0: thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode I would be so grateful if you could share it with friends and if you can please consider leaving a review I'll be seeing you soon